I'm watching Belgium and France in the World Cup right now. And the last time Belgium was on, I noticed in my neighborhood downtown, more Belgium soccer fans than I did furries last weekend. Actually, for the last couple years. So there might be some overlap there. I guess there's a lot of Belgian furries. By the way, so far, contrary to Mark Madden's stated concern, no, the Germans haven't tried to interrupt the Belgium versus France soccer game yet with Panzer tanks. Although that's not a bad idea. It would be the German version of Fan Man interrupting the Bo Holyfield fight, only on a slightly more dramatic level. I'm Tim Benz, and this is the Mark Madden Show. I'm in for Mark today. Of course, you can find me not only on the Steelers pregame, but SNR and the Pittsburgh Trib in our Breakfast with Ben's section. And as you may have read on Trib Live today, manager Clint Hurdle addressed the state of his Pirates in the wake of general manager Neil Huntington's decree on Sunday that the team needs to do better than 4-4 four and four over these upcoming eight games against Milwaukee and Washington to make him believe that the season is salvageable. Well, at least they're off to a good start there. Having won the first of those games last night against Washington. Although I'm still waiting for Bryce Harper's home run to land. Kyle Schwarber was jealous of that one. Now, in Huntington's words from Sunday, quote, Sometimes reality sets in. The optimism has turned to realism. On Monday, Hurdle was asked if he considers himself more of an optimist than a realist. Actually asked by Albie Oxenreiter, who's just on with Whip. That's what he was referring to. And Hurdle is at his best when... He's dealing with the media, and there's meat on the bone like this. This is a fastball down the middle to him. This is where he lives. This is his wheelhouse. Like, real in-depth philosophical discussion stuff. Hurdle loves this. So, is Hurdle optimistic that his clubhouse can turn the season around in time before Huntington starts selling off assets before the trade deadline at the end of the month? Clint, are you more of a uh, optimist than a realist? I try, I try and maintain both. Uh, and you want to Google up some Google up, Google up the Scott Stockdale paradox. Yeah, that's what I. That's exactly. What <laughs> that's I the combination saying. of the two. Right. And no, I'm not one more than the other. I I really believe in being both. You need to be a realist. You need to honor the numbers. You need to honor what's the reality, of what's going on. However, I really believe that a first thought can maintain momentum, create momentum, can change things, and I do believe it's contagious. I believe optimism is contagious. I believe cynicism is contagious, just as I believe negativism is contagious. So when you squeeze me, I want to make sure you get out. You're going to get optimism and realism. You're not going to get the cynicism uh, or something else. All right. We know that cynicism is contagious. Have you seen attendance at PNC Park this year? The best part about that clip, (laughs) the best part about that clip was Albie on the follow-up. Can we play that, just the short part of that again? Play that again? Clint, are you more of a uh, optimist than a realist? I try I try and maintain both. Uh, and you want to Google up some, Google up, Google up the Scott Stockdale paradox. Yeah, that's what I, that's exactly what that's I That's the combination. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, I know what that is. I, I know what the Stockdale paradox. Sure, sure I do. Okay, well, if Albie does good for him, because I don't. I didn't know what it was. So I goggled it up. I wikied it in that. And this is what the Stockdale Paradox is. It comes from a book by James Collins entitled Good to Great. It's a business book. And in it, Collins interviewed James Stockdale, the former vice presidential candidate and Navy vice admiral. And 
Stockdale, who was on Perot's ticket, said, this is his quote, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in, that you will prevail in the end, faith that you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In other words, always maintain optimism, but do it through the lens of reality. Stockdale was referring to his eight years spent in a Vietnamese prison camp, like the literal Hanoi Hilton. That's where that term came from. He was part of the Alcatraz gang in the Hanoi Hilton. Meanwhile, Hurdle is just trying to figure out if Max Moroff is better than Sean Rodriguez, but you get the drift. As the book was implying, in business terms, the premise of the paradox is universal. How do you maintain optimism in the face of a current bleak situation, but the time address the reality of your circumstances so as to best escape that horrible situation that you're in. That's where the pirates are right now. The easiest analogy to draw from, the easiest analogy to pull from, is the mentality of a guy who was a prisoner of war for eight years. Stockdale only waited eight years to get out. Pirates fans have been waiting for a playoff series victory since 1979. Stockdale and his fellow prisoners were forced to come up with tap code communication with one another to stay sane. What do you think their code would have been when trying to describe Gregory Planko's base running to one another? Something like that? Yeah, being in here sucks, but at least we have to watch that every night. Back to Hurdle's quote. Now, I don't feel comfortable squeezing Clint, as he described. I don't want to do that. But I will look at the numbers, and I will remember what the Pirates' first thought was to start this season. That's the phrase that he turned there, a first thought. And the first thought that conjured optimism from Neil Huntington and the Pirates after the trades of McCutcheon and Cole was that basically this team could be the Minnesota Twins. Huntington made that comparison after the deals, that the Twins won 85 games last year. This could be that team, and maybe make a wild card. To Hurdle's point about the numbers, though, this year's team in Pittsburgh is seven games below 500, with nine games and seven teams separating them from a wild card spot. By the way, the Twins, well, they were, what, nine games under 500 to start the week. So less than a year removed from the postseason, they might read up an Admiral Stockdale as well. So what is the reality that we keep referencing here? Well, it's the trade deadline. It's coming at the end of the month. It's looming as the club looks at itself, being just a few games removed from last place in the NL Central. Huntington's got to be better than 4-4 and edict may still not be enough. So another part of this reality is that between Jordy Mercer, Corey Dickerson, Francisco Cervelli, David Fries, Yvonne Nova, and Josh Harrison, the Pirates can unload the remaining portions of a combined $46.86 million that they would have had to pay out for the rest of this year and on top of that, $48.6 million in future money owed on contracts to those players. A third reality is that the perceived franchise building blocks in Jamison Tyon and Starling Marte and Gregory Polanco simply may not ever be enough when it comes to what the Pirates expected versus what they really are. Are they ever going to be as good as they hoped that they would be? So if reality is dictating optimism... Expect a lot of these players to be moved and expect that cashed out 2018 optimism to be, and I'll use a pirate's phrase here, reinvested 
for 2019. If Hurdle still has that optimism now, he's probably not going to have to uncork it until spring training of 2019. All this leads me to ask, would even Admiral Stockdale have been optimistic enough to root for the Pittsburgh Pirates these days? How about you? Do you maintain optimism that the Pirates can salvage this season without a major dump at the trade deadline? Because I am not. 412-333-9939. You know who else doesn't sound optimistic? Josh Harrison. Because I asked him what he thought about staying with the Pirates. Does he want to stay in Pittsburgh? And this is what Harrison said yesterday. I can't worry about that because my job is to show up. I'm in black and yellow and play for these guys to the right and left of me. Haven't gotten what we've wanted here lately, but that doesn't stop us from coming out every day and giving what we got. So you'd like to stay here, Josh? I mean, if we're winning, that's, I mean, anywhere, the, the question of staying or this or that is out of my control. But I was asked yesterday, um, how do things change? I said, for one, I think whether it's this place or the 29 other place, I think winning changes everything. So um, the, the business side and professional and, and the, the, the game side always clash. There, there are going to be tough decisions, things that have to happen. But us as players, as you get older, you understand you, you can't control it. Um, you can answer questions, you can speak on it. But at the end of the day, what I have to do, show up with my guys here. And like you said, this next week, we know what lies ahead of us. I'm, I'm not trying to look to next week. I'm not trying to look to tomorrow. I'm trying to look to today. You know what I didn't hear there? Yes, I want to stay. I heard a lot of other words. I didn't hear yes, I want to stay. I think he and Corey Dickerson and David Freeze and Francisco Cervelli and all those other guys who might be still trying their hardest would prefer to be somewhere else and trying their hardest with a chance to advance to the playoffs, which they're not going to have here unless all that winning that Harrison talks about happens this week. Like when Huntington says, if he's putting out there four and four, is it going to be good enough? In his mind, they're probably thinking they better go eight. No. 412-333-9939 if you want to talk Pirates. Uh, when we come back, there's been a lot of discussion today about a Post-Gazette article about the stadium experience at NFL games and how, if concession prices were lowered, would that get you to enjoy NFL games or get you to go more often. I can't, in my mind, imagine how those two things are correlated. A lot of people are drawing some merit to this discussion. I have no idea where it's coming from. And according to a little poll that I'm running, apparently a lot of you agree with me. I'll tell you about that when we come back. Tim Benson from Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Let's face it, you've always been in love with me, and this is just your moment of clarity. I don't think so. Oh, I know so. The X at 105.9. If France wins and they're up one to nothing over Belgium, is Mark going to have to change his analogies from World War II and dial back the clock a few hundred years? I think he's probably going to have to, right? Tim Ben's in for Mark today. Is Napoleon going to get involved in this? Uh, we've got this poll running right now online. You can tweet me at Tim Ben's PGH. And uh, it's in response to what the Post-Gazette wrote today about concession prices at National Football League games. 
go to Twitter at Tim Ben's PGH, and I just retweeted it a few minutes ago whether or not that's going to sway you into going to more games if, in fact, the Steelers do roll back concession prices as a couple other teams have done. So far, as of now, only 13% of you suggest that it's concession prices that are keeping you away from NFL games. And I've got to ask, of those 13%, really? That's what's keeping you away? Like, if beer was $5 instead of $8, you'd go. If a hot dog was $2 instead of $5 or $6, you'd go. But the ticket price doesn't change. The parking doesn't change. The weather doesn't change. None of that changes, but $3 differential in hot dogs is going to make you go to an NFL game? Really? I think this is just one of the most overblown topics of conversation that I've heard in a long time. And it's not just the Post-Gazette writing it today. Uh, I talked about this on Raven's Wire for the USA Today work that I do. Um, a couple weeks ago when they jumped on board with what the Falcons are doing by lowering concession prices, and I just don't see the A plus B equals C thinking here. And if you are somebody who disagrees, then call me and let me know. Again, 412-333-9939. Why is the concession price thing such a piece of low-hanging fruit that is being advanced as somewhat of a cure-all when it comes to attendance issues at NFL games? I'll get back into that in a second. Let's get out to the phones because I said we'd talk more about the Major League Baseball discussion with the Pirates and uh, your level of optimism as it relates to them being able to turn this season around. Uh, When Clint Hurdle was talking about that with the Stockdale paradox, here's another paradox. It doesn't matter if they win or lose. It's the budget that matters, the bottom line that matters. That's the reality. That's as much of a reality as the win-loss column, if not more so. Let's go to Eric in Bell Vernon. Hi, Eric. You're on 105.9 The X. What's up, Tim? Hi, Eric. Tim, uh, I'm 21 years old. What am I more likely to see before I'm dead? Three more Steelers Super Bowls or one Pirates World Series? How about a $4 hot dog at a Steeler game? That's probably more likely than either, but I'm going to go with the Steeler one. It is reasonable. It's a very reasonable thing to think about. But no, I think you're going to see, you're more likely to see the Steelers get three more Super Bowls than you are one Pirates World Series. Let me tell you this, Eric. You said you're 21? Yeah. Okay, so I was 17 when Cabrera got the base hit and Sid Bream slid across home plate. I thought that night, at that moment, I would never see them get to the playoffs again. I'm actually surprised they've done this much. I'm not going to lie. Based on where yeah. they were, based on what baseball was like at the time, I'm surprised they've done what they did. But I'll also say this as a caveat, and thank you for the phone call. Do not make it sound like this is all baseball's problem. And I'm going to get to that later in the show, too. I wrote about that for the trip today as well. If baseball has done more to even out the playing field without getting a salary cap than I ever thought possible, and this, the Pirates are still in the state of affairs that they are. You know, I wasn't sure if they'd ever get a new stadium. I wasn't sure if the team would be here by the time I was 43 years old, thinking back to when I was 17. But yeah, don't hold your breath for that World Series. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Mount Washington. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Good. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on for the Pirates? Do you think that they would put more people in those stands? Your phone broke up. You're saying the concession thing as it relates to the Pirates instead of the Steelers? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm sorry about the phone breaking up. Yeah, um, I, if you're saying just, is it more relatable to the Pirates than the Steelers, it it's kind of the same thing because it's the bottom line more than it is anything else. Like, 
I uh, see. I don't know if more people would go to Pirates games if they found it to be more affordable for food and beer, but I would find the impact to be more tangible because there's a greater need to get more fans in the stadium for the Pirates and the Steelers. Does that make sense? Like the Steelers, oh, it, the Steelers lost it a couple. Does. Yeah, the Steelers lost a couple thousand people per uh, game last year, or overall, I should say, a couple thousand people. And, but the, the Pirates have lost what forty percent of their or 35% of their audience at PNC Park in the last two seasons. That's dramatic. But that's just poor ownership. I feel as if they would, because I'm on, I'm on the side of boycotting ownership right now. I, I don't want to attend a game because I feel like I'm giving them money just for them to go not spend that money that we're giving them. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't want to put a winning team out there on the field for us to watch. Okay, so now, and thank you for that, Mike, because that actually segues to a point that I think makes a lot more sense, which is it's the product of the field, or it's the overall product that you're watching. You're more upset about what you're seeing on the field. Um, and I think that from, from a fan's perspective, it is an overall product thing. Maybe not the football that you're watching at Heinz Field, but the parking, the crowd, the traffic, the fact that you can get a better product watching it on TV than at the game, you don't get that with baseball. Like, the product is better there than it is on television, I think. And that's where concessions come in more directly. So if the product of the players and the results and the hope of seeing a victory is so scant, it's not going to matter if a hot dog is 4 bucks or 5 Let's go to Bill, who's calling from the Fort Pitt Tunnel which gives me very little faith that this call is going to hold the whole way through. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm doing good, too. How are you? I'm okay. I think, sort of dovetailing into what you said, I don't. I think it's unfair to, to see whether or not concession prices are the sole determiner whether or not I'm going to attend a game. But it certainly is a big consideration. Like, I went to a Pirates game a couple nights ago, and between all the concessions for me and my family, it ended up being almost 100 bucks for food and drinks. Like, to me... The, Deciding whether or not to go to a Steeler game with my family, like that extra 100, 200 bucks, if it could be 50 or 60, is a pretty big determiner about whether or not I'm going to go. See, I would think that the bigger determiner of whether or not you would spend money is the actual price of the concession. Like, you know, uh, so how much did it cost you to buy the tickets? As a for well, instance, got, let's do the math. How much did it cost you to buy the tickets? I got tickets for free. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so you got free tickets and you still didn't think that it was worth it to go because of what you're going to have to buy in the stadium? Well, that was they lost 17 to 4 that game, so but looking back retrospectively, uh, I don't think it was worth the price. You know what? What they should have done is carried over the price to the next game of how much they lost by. So whatever like so they lost by 12 <laughs> runs, you should get $12 off your concession t- uh, stand total the next time you go to PNC Park. That's how it should work. 412-333-WXDX. Think about it. They do that all the time with how many runs they score, right? So do it the other way. For a team that's under 500 that's given up 17 runs a game, economically speaking, it's more of a war for how much they lose by. There's your Stockdale paradox. I just summed it up in a nutshell. We'll talk more about this and hear from Joe Rudder from the Trib about the Steelers, too. Coming up next, Tim Benson for Mark Madden. It's 105.9 The X. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. So, uh, what's happening? He's a little guy. Huh? What? I'd love to get the ball to say what you want to say. Very good point. The X at 105.9. 
Tim and Mark brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. You can read me every morning at Breakfast with Ben's over at the Trib and listen on TribLive.com as well. Joining me right now to talk about the Steelers, our beat writer for the Black and Gold, it's Joe Rudder. Joe, you spent a lot of time writing in advance of Steelers training camp, as I have started to do here in uh, the couple days that we have left. And we're doing something over on the Breakfast with Ben's page, uh, seven on the stairway to seven. Seven guys in the seven days I have left before a vacation that comes up prior to training camp. And I'm trying to look at the guys who are uh, X-factors, if you will, guys beyond the obvious. Not Ben, not Bell, not Brown, uh, not the offensive line that we know is good. Cam Hayward is great. We all know that. But uh, who do you think is a real X-factor whose game, if they elevate this year, will get the Steelers back into consideration for a Super Bowl? I think... Uh, I would think offensively, I would go with Vance McDonald as one. Um, you know, provided he stays healthy, you know, they, they liked what he did last year. It's just he wasn't in very many games to do that. Um, he did have the big playoff game. I would see him on offense because they've got all pros are pretty much, or Pro Bowl players at pretty much every other position except for tight end. So I think if he could step up there and fulfill the potential they think he has, he could be an X factor there. And I would say on defense, maybe Cam Sutton. Um, I think that he really has a chance if he plays well in training camp and in these preseason games to maybe, I don't know about win the job from Artie Burns, but show he belongs somewhere out there in some of these sub packages or, you know, even a base defense of some kind. I think that they really think highly of him. And, you know, now that he's, you know, got a full year in the system. I think that he had the chance to, you know, be a difference maker for him. I wrote about Cam Sutton at the start of OTAs, Joe, and I agree with that notion quite a bit. The one thing that I'd say to it is, is that are the Steelers better served if he doesn't have to elevate his game, if he doesn't start? Uh, are the Steelers better served if that just means that Artie Burns and Joe Hayden are A, healthy, and B, good all season, and they can just use Sutton in a reserve capacity? Yeah, oh, of course. If, you know, Artie Burns to me is the, is the one that, you know, he, you know, he didn't, didn't really take a step forward. You could say maybe even regressed in his second season. So I think definitely, you know, the, the screws are turned up on him. I um, mean, Joe Hayden, I think he's pretty reliable. I think, you know, he is what he is and he's a pretty good cornerback and I don't think he's going to be an issue, but I would say, yeah, Artie Burns definitely. And if, and if he plays like they think he can, then, you know, you got the luxury of having Cam Sutton back there in case of injury or, you know, trying some time out at a different spot. The thing I'd say about Hayden is, well, number one, he needs to stay healthy, which is something he hasn't done a lot the last three years. He's missed 19 games in three seasons. The second thing I'd say about Hayden is, for as good as he was last year, when it comes to making impact plays, he can do more of that. Even he mentioned that, getting his hands on passes more often, catching more for interceptions, things of that nature, which very much might be the case, Joe, if they play more man-to-man defense, which is what a lot of people are assuming they will. Yeah, and I, and I think Tom Bradley wants to do that too. Uh, you know, he he's mentioned that he really never had the players in college to do that, but he likes. You know, he, his philosophy leans more towards man to man, and you know, they they finally might have the personnel now to try to pull this off. And uh, you know, they tried to implement it some more last year in the second half, uh, mixed results obviously, and then in the, towards the end of the season, they weren't getting any contributions anywhere on the defense, pretty much. But yeah, I, I would think that would help out a lot, and. You know, they, they, they've got to start getting interceptions from their corners. That's one area that they've seemed to have lacked in recent years. 
Joe Rudder from the Trib is our guest here on 105.9 The X. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Read Joe every day in the Tribune Review as we get ready for the start of Steelers camp, which is coming up at the end of July. All right, Joe, back to the offensive side of the ball, because I know you wrote about not only McDonald, but also the receivers, the slot receivers with James Washington in particular. What's the more true question? Where's the more meat on the bone to debate here about Washington replacing Juju or Juju replacing Martavis? I would think Juju replacing Martavis. I mean, you're, you're putting a lot on a, a guy who had a very, very good rookie year. But you're expecting him to step in there and give you a dimension that, you know, they really have nobody on their roster that can give you what Martavis did last year. But you're asking Juju, a different kind of receiver, to move into that full-time number two slot and hope that you have a rookie can fill in at the number three slot. So it's almost maybe a combination of those two. You've got to get those guys you know, you're, you're lost a lot with Martavis in terms of experience, and I think he played better in the second half last year. Now you've got to hope that Juju doesn't slide back, and you've got to hope that James Washington gives you the production they think he's going to get. Joe, there's been quite a bit of conversation, uh, perhaps inspired by what Le'Veon Bell had to say when he was revealed as one of the top five players in football, that uh, there still might be some sort of agreement between the Steelers and Bell relating to his contract is there anything going on, or is that just Bell going back to what he said way back in the Pro Bowl week, that they're closer than what they were before? Because I haven't heard anything from the Steelers' side that intimates that there's any sort of progress. How about you? Yeah, I, I've heard nothing as well. And, you know, that could be him being hopeful. That could be him trying to paint himself, you know, as, hey, if this doesn't work out, don't blame me. You know, I've, I think we're closer than before. But him saying that and... You know, the negotiations actually getting closer. We don't know. They didn't come to the agreement in March before they had to tag him. And really, since that date, there's been no rush until about now to try to get this done by Monday. Um, I, I, are they maybe a little closer? I don't know. I think the Steelers are pretty much set with what they have, you know, what they value him as, and I don't think they're going to sway from that much. I think it's a matter of Le'Veon Bell taking what they offer him. If not, then you know, he's a free agent after the season. He won't be back. Is he going to sit out, do you think? Is there any possibility that that might happen? I don't think so. Um, I, I really don't think so. Um, you know, he didn't last year, obviously. He came in, and I think for him to really want to maximize his value with a bigger contract after this season, I think in good faith he's got to show teams that he's not going to be a you know a problem person. And you don't, you don't want to, you know, create bad will by, you know, missing – six, seven, eight, ten games, or whatever it is, you know, in the last year of this contract. So I think, I don't think he will sit out, but you won't see him in St. Vincent, that's for sure. See, I agree with a lot of that insofar as he knows, one thing he appears cognizant of, at least in what he is saying, is that he wasn't as good as he normally is to start last year. And even he allowed that some of that might have to do with the fact that he and Roethlisberger were not on the same page as it related to the passing game. And if people keep want, a lot of people have parsed his stats to make it look like his departure wouldn't pinch the Steelers as much as initially you would think. And I think he's aware of that. And for that reason, I think he wants to come into camp. Maybe not even so much, Joe, for what you talked about with him uh, being a bad guy or a problem to deal with, but just the raw statistical accomplishment, the yards per game, and the totals, I think he wants as high as humanly possible. Yeah, and, you know, he, he didn't get off to the kind of start that he or the Steelers expected last year. So if he's in the camp for a little bit, 
that helps out that way. Plus, you've got not that the system is changing too much, but you do have a new offensive coordinator in there who's got probably some different verbiage, and they've moved some plays around in the playbook. So you would think that he would want to be a part of that and get that down before walking in blind six days before the season like he did last year. Final thing on this topic, Joe. I know that Damian Woody has joined in kind of to what David Carr had to say, maybe not directly as much about Ben Roethlisberger, but Damian Woody of ESPN, we're going to play this sound by later on in the program today, intimated that Bell is the most important guy on that Steelers offense, and it would hurt the Steelers the most if he were to be gone as opposed to even Ben Roethlisberger or Antonio Brown. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. I, don't. I mean, he, he is very valuable and important, but I still think... Oh, it's a, to me, it's a toss-up the other way with Roethlisberger or Brown. I would say Roethlisberger won Brown 1A because you've got to get the quarterback that can get the ball out to everybody. And, yeah, Bell's good, but and he does so many multiple different things. But I think you have to have the quarterback. I think the thinking is if Roethlisberger were to get down with a season-ending injury, that the Steelers would be sunk before the season even started. With Brown, maybe you can get around that. I think you can get more away if you lose Bell out of those three than anybody else. Yeah, for as much of a difference as there is between Lev Bell and anybody else who's trying to play that position for the Steelers, maybe Mason Rudolph or Landry Jones are closer to what Ben is than what Bell is to the other running backs, but the position of quarterback is still so much more important. I don't know how you make that assessment that Bell is... Uh, more important to the overall outcome for the Steelers. Frankly, I think if any of the three are out for an extended period of time, they're sunk. But uh, I think there's been too much dismissing of the importance of Roethlisberger this offseason based on the notion that he's got a lot of help around him. Yeah, and and to go one step further, I might even put David DeCastro up there higher than Bell on the pecking order. I mean, you've got to have a really strong offensive line, and he's the best of the five they've got there. And to lose him, would I think, would be even maybe a bigger blow because you don't know what you have as a backup. At least you've got some depth. And well, you know, Finney, Finney's pretty good. Forward. I mean, I think Finney's at least tested more so than yeah, James Conner is. Yeah, he is. But I, you know, I just I think, <laughs> you know, I just think that without the Castro, it's going to be harder to have a, you know, have a have a, a winning type of season with a you know good running back in there. But uh, you know, we'll see. Do you have any faith that Conner's going to be better this year if called upon? I think so. He just has to stay healthy. He looks he looks better. I mean, he looks in better shape. He seems like his speed has returned and, um, you know, better than what he was last year. I mean, you didn't see him much in camp last year or off-season workouts because he was, I think it was a hamstring injury last year. So, you know, if he can stay on the field, yeah, I want to see what he can do in preseason, especially if Le'Veon Bell's not there. And I really want to see what Jalen Samuels can do as well. To conclude, Joe, they have been given by Odds Shark, and again, Joe Rudder is our guest from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. They've been given the odds by Odds Shark to be the second best team in the AFC when it comes to getting into the playoffs. Second best playoff odds of any team in the uh, conference aside from the Patriots. Is that accurate, and how much closer are they to being better than what they were a season ago? I, I think that is it is true that they probably are number two in odds, if only because I, still, I don't think the division has really come up to them, even if they've maybe slid back a little bit, which I don't know if they have. But I think, yeah, based on the division they're playing in, that, yeah, they have a good chance to make the playoffs, probably the second best. Are they better than last year? I'm not sure. I really have to see the defense more. I think offensively they'll be fine. I think maybe, you know, with Todd Haley gone, um, you know, they had good numbers last year, but they really didn't put up a ton of points compared to what they thought they could. I, you know, I think the offense can do more and will do more. The defense, though, is where you got to see it 
And, uh, you know, until I think they're better, I have to see the defense play a little bit. Joe, thanks. We'll keep reading you in the Trib. Anytime. All right, that is Joe Rudder from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, our beat writer over at the Trib who covers the Steelers. And make sure you follow our Stairway to 7 feature, which is taking place daily. Like I said, Joe Hayden, the first guy we featured today, and we'll get into that a little bit more later on in the program. And we're going to play that Damian Woody soundbite, too. In fact, we might do that when we come back. Let's do that. Damian Woody, uh, that explanation of why he thinks Le'Veon Bell is so important to the Steelers. And I'll throw the question out in advance. Of the three, who is the most indispensable, Bell, Ben, or Brown? And why are we hearing so many people nationally talk about Bell in that regard more so than the quarterback? Is that an opinion you agree with? 412-333-9939. Where would he talk about that when we come back? Tim Benz in for Mark. Um. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Double S, big fan, man. Thanks. If you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? I would. I'd be delicious. Ditto. The X at 105.9. And now that hot dog doesn't cost you anything at a Falcons game. You can do it for free. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Boy, Belgium's probably going to lose this soccer game, but it won't be because of the goalie. He's made like three or four outstanding saves here. And uh, I've just, I've seen more yellow in this game than, you know, in a phone booth. Remember the old New York phone booths that used to have multiple yellow pages? Like one for each borough? That's what it looks like. Oh, it's over! It's over! France has won! They did not concede. France did not give up, and they have won this soccer game. So France goes on to the World Cup final, beating Belgium by a final score of one to nothing. And now they're running into each other and killing each other, sliding on the grass. And I'm, <laughs> I wonder if they dive if they hit each other in celebration. Yeah, that commercial break was full of nothing but French players diving on the field and Belgian players looking pissed off. That's all it was. All right, uh, one other note to pass along to you before we get to this soundbite from Damian Woody about the Steelers. I just noticed this on Twitter. Greg Brown tweeted it out. Francisco Cervelli is taking ground balls at first base today, which leads me to believe there must be a team out there that's looking for a first baseman. They're trying to show him off to see if he can play first base. That's the first thing that went through my mind. Or they think Adam Eaton's going to get on base a lot tonight, and they want him to fight Adam Eaton at first base. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, this coming in as well, an NHL. Where's this coming from, Bob? An NHL source says that the Canadians have informed Max Pacioretty that they will not negotiate a contract extension with him. That is a French Canadian source, so perhaps something was lost in the translation, or they were too busy watching the soccer game and got the news wrong. We'll keep you up to date. But uh, I noticed this on ESPN over the weekend, and uh, it's got a little bit of run here in the Pittsburgh media as well. This is Damian Woody on ESPN talking about the Steelers' offense and the importance of Le'Veon Bell. Who do you think is the most important of the killer bees? Le'Veon. Le'Veon. And I, I, when I look at Le'Veon, who to me is the best all-around back in the National Football League, reminds me of Marshall Falk back in the greatest show on turf. You know, that offense was prolific. Obviously, Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. But it was really Marshall Falk who was the engine behind that whole thing because of his versatility, not only as a great runner, but out of the backfield. And that's the dimension that Le'Veon Bell brings. You know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, when Le'Veon Bell plays, when he gets 20 carries or more, they're 28 and four. 20 carries or less, 14 and 16. That's a profound effect at the running back spot and just shows you the importance of having a guy like Le'Veon Bell because he sets the table for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. As great as Antonio Brown is, 
Okay, he's the best receiver in the game. Big Ben. Good, he's, you know, Big Ben is still a really good quarterback. He's not what he used to be, but to me, Le'Veon Bell is the cog to that Pittsburgh offense that makes them so dangerous. So what do you think? Is that right? Is Le'Veon Bell the most important player of the Killer Bees and the most important player on that Steelers offense? I don't think so. How about you? 412-333-9939. And that's not coming from a guy who has tried to diminish Le'Veon Bell's abilities over the course of these two years with the tense contract negotiations. In fact, whenever people have tried to undermine Le'Veon Bell's football abilities and his stats of late and what he means to the Steelers, I usually push back because I don't think that's where the anger should really be coming from. You should be angry at Le'Veon Bell just because he's asking for too damn much money. That's it, pure and simple. He's a great running back. A lot of what Damian Woody said there is true. The comparisons to Marshall Falk, the importance of Bell when it comes to the efficiency of the offense per touch, per carry, things of that nature. Yeah, all of that is 100% true, but to suggest that any one running back is as important as a quarterback, specifically one that's going to be in the Hall of Fame, like Ben Roethlisberger, that's just inaccurate. It's harder to replace the quarterback than it is the running back, even if the gap between Bell and James Conner or Bell and Jalen Samuels or Bell and Steven Ridley is greater than what you're going to get if Landry Jones and Mason Rudolph, between one of those two guys, if they get in there. You know, if you have to tell me that I'm going to lose my starting quarterback who's going to be in the Hall of Fame or my starting running back who might be as well, I'm still going to take the running back. You know, like what Woody said there, that this assumption that Roethlisberger isn't as good as he used to be, and he's only being buoyed by other guys around him, by his supporting cast. You know what? The first thing that goes through my head when I hear that is, boy, he must have been even better than we thought in 2008 then. Because in 2008, when he had Mike Wallace, an aging Heinz Ward, Nate Washington as, re- as his receivers, an offensive line that was one-tenth as good as this one is, Moel De Moore that season was probably his most effective running back, to be honest. How good was he then? Oh, and Santonio San Holmes, too, at wide receiver. I can't forget that, but you, you get the point. He didn't have the vast array of weapons then that he does now. And if he's not as good as he used to be, he must have been even better back then than we give him credit for. So for as right as Woody is about everything he's saying about as good as Le'Veon Bell is, to me, honestly, I would sacrifice him before I would Roethlisberger because the importance of the quarterback position. Not because of the talent, player versus player, in their prime versus not. Just the importance of the quarterback position that's being way too dismissive of what Ben still means to this team. And based on what David Carr said that got a lot of attention from the NFL Network that I wrote about quite a bit in the Pittsburgh Trib, I think this is a wave that's being talked about too much, that Ben is just being supported and buoyed by the guys around him. Do you agree or not? 412-333-9939. We'll get to your responses in 30 seconds here on 105.9 The X.